Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for Homeschool Helps and Hacks, New Year Fresh Start. Ann and Sheila are getting on as well, and we're going to give you all of our tips and suggestions for getting back into the swing of things and ready to go this year. I am Sunny. I'm Sunlight's Community Manager and also a Sunlight mom with two kids. And let's see, Sheila, you're in the top corner for me, so why don't you introduce yourself next? Okay, um, I'm Sheila, and I have three kids that I've homeschooled. I'm a retired homeschool mom, and I love helping new homeschoolers. Well, thank you for being here. Anne, do you want to introduce yourself next? Sure. My name is Anne. I am still a homeschool mom. I have graduated one, and I have one still at home. She's a junior in high school. Well, thank you for being here. We also have Lisa and Jana, who you saw in the earlier video, working the chat for us as well. So whether you joined us by signing up to watch online or if you're watching in the Sunlight app, we are so happy you're here. Thank you for telling us where you're tuning in from and make sure you drop your questions in the chat. We would love to answer what matters most to you. So please put those questions in the chat and we'll be keeping an eye on that answering what we can. And then Lisa and Jana will be catching anything that the ladies that I, you know, that you're looking at can't get to today. Also, as a reminder, this is being recorded, so you'll be able to watch it again. So don't feel like you have to remember everything right now. You can come back and watch this later. So ladies, let's jump right in. I know January is the time of year when many of our international customers are starting their school year fresh. For many of us in the United States, we might be halfway through our year and took a break for the holidays, and now we're getting back to it. Um, but sometimes this time of the year can be harder to get back in the swing of things. If you live in an area that's cold, maybe you know you can't get outside as much, you have that let down after all the fun of the holidays. So how do you suggest getting excited or making this fun, whether you're in the middle of the year or starting new kind of in the middle of winter like this? Well, I'm not sure how much fun it is exactly, but in general, we always just thrived on having a routine. And honestly, you know, as exciting as all of the holidays were and visiting family and things like that, it really did feel good to just get back uh, to your regular routine. And so just kind of, you can celebrate that <laughs> things are getting back to normal. And like I said, in the little video, I'm a big proponent of a slow start, whether that be at the beginning of the school year or the end and taking uh, the half days um, to, to, to get where you're going. And I absolutely love Jen's uh, video. Uh, that's something that I like to mention too, in, in the winter months when it's so crazy cold, perhaps I'm in Texas, it's been, you know, up and down around here, but you know, having something to look forward to a trip to a museum, or if it's nice, you know, like the zoo, yeah, go surround yourself with birds and have a fun day. <laughs> um, so I mentioned trying to get the uh, chaos 
under control. So um, that is definitely something that I would do. And I would also try to find things that would be fun. So we would often start with a read aloud because my kids just absolutely love that. So that would be a fun way to start back. We didn't start with the hard stuff. We, we tr tried to do a, you know, let's start with the fun stuff. Um, I also, I live in the South. So um, in Jan January, the weather is sometimes cold. And if it is, we have a fireplace. So we would get cozy. We build a fire and do our read aloud by the fire. Um, if it was still early enough in Jan January where, where we still had our tree up, we would sit under the tree, you know, turn on the lights and um, enjoy that. If the weather was good, we would go outside. We might go to the park. We might meet friends up or I would set up a play date and say, you know, as soon as we finish our schoolwork, we can go to the park and play with whatever friend. So it is important to try and make something fun or may, maybe you have a special breakfast just like you do at the beginning of the school year. If you like to kick off the school year with special breakfast or ice cream as a reward at the end of the day, um, if you can set them up with something to look for, forward to, it makes the start a little bit e easier. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of laughing here on the inside. I live in Colorado and we got eight inches of snow yesterday. So I, I do not have the uh, warm environments that you guys had. Um, but I know we do like to cuddle up in front of the fireplace or, you know, we'll plan to watch movies maybe this time of the year when we can't be outside quite as much. Um, a lot of times you can find movies that tie into your read-alouds or maybe your history books. And so we like to compare, you know, especially if it's supposed to be the same story, how similar to the book is it? Um, and so we try to tie in things like that that are fun. And we really like to kind of plow through in the wintertime so that when our weather does get nicer, then we have those opportunities to go outside. But yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys. Something fun so that your kids aren't just like, oh, now it's back to routine and we're not excited about it. And remember that you as the homeschool teacher, oftentimes your attitude is going to set the mood for everybody. So even if I'm not excited, if I pretend like I'm excited, it's usually a little easier for my kids to get back into it as well. Um, so we have some questions coming in. So I'm going to kind of go through these. We'll, we'll see what people are asking and, and start answering those. Uh, so we have someone from Chattanooga, Tennessee, saying we started the first week of January, but we're four weeks behind. So we started earlier than usual. So I'm assuming they started earlier in the year and uh, fell behind in the fall. And um, then we have somebody from Sacramento saying that she started with half days. So kind of what you suggested there, Anne, as opposed to a full day. And then Sierra said, I'm going to start homeschooling this year in Germany. Uh, when we PCS this summer with the Army, do we base our school district rules out of Colorado or over there on post with elementary school there? We'll talk about that in a second, too. Uh, let's see. And then a few more people just feeling behind and getting back into the schedule. <clears throat> so uh, when it comes to legal things, Sierra, I would encourage you to check out HSLDA and see what they have to say. That's the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. My understanding is you have to if you leave your state for more than 30 days, you're now subject to other laws, but in the army, I don't know. So I would check with HSLDA on that. Um, but let's talk about that feeling of behind, whether you're starting a new school year or in the fall, um, if you lagged behind further than you thought you would, what do you do to get back on track? So one of the things that I did was I would get the calendar out and try to figure out when do I wanna finish by? Uh, I 
like to be out before pu public school is out so that we have a couple of weeks before the crazy hits. And so typically it was by the end of May. And so I would do some backwards math. How many weeks does that leave me? And if it is more weeks than I, or less weeks than I have um, weeks in my curriculum, then I would try to start doing some fit figuring. Is there something that I can trim out? Is there some extra stuff that I can cut so that I can buy me some extra time? Um, sometimes we would double up on reading during the day so that way we could get two days in one day. Um, sometimes I would cut out a read, a, a read aloud or a reader or sometimes even a history book, not the history spine, but sometimes there are supplemental history things that I can kind of um, glance at and determine whether I didn't want to skip it or if it was something that we could just cover quickly and move, move on. Maybe it didn't take a full week to cover. And so I would try to trim those ki kinds of things. Um, math is one of those things that you that is really foundational and it builds. So I wouldn't cut out too much math. Maybe if there's a lot of review stuff and I feel like my kids know that stuff, I, I could trim out a day or two here or there. But remember that you are never behind. You mm -hmm. are in control of your school. And so if you have to stop at week 29 um, and call it quits, and then you just pick up where you left off. Don't feel like you have to complete everything before you take your summer break. So if you start the following school year on week 30 of your math book, and then you pick up the next book after 10 more weeks, that's okay too. So don't feel the pressure of everything needs to be wrapped up by a certain date. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, I, you hear it all the time from us that there really you know, is no such thing as being behind, even if you do feel it. Um, and so just like Sheila, I think it's great to look at your calendar and see when you want to end um, and, and go backwards from there. Um, and also, I agree that the math is kind of the trickiest thing. It's super hard. You know, you, you can't cut out a whole math chapter, most likely. But um, thinking about it, let's say that you finish your history and your science and all that, um, but you still have math. Well, that's totally OK. In fact, I think that's really not so bad to just kind of keep doing math, you know, even year round if you need to. And then they don't end up with that summer slide, you know, forgetting things and things like that. So you are you're in charge of your schedule. Um, and you can just do what your family needs to do. I know that we've all cut out books. You know, we all want to just do all of it. But uh, but you don't have to to have a complete, uh, well-rounded school year. You can save some things for the summer. And it is totally okay just to, to, to skip a book too. Yeah, and I think it's a common misconception that you have to do all 36 weeks of a Sunlight program in one school year. Uh, this is something I know it was kind of like imaginary pressure that I put on myself when I started homeschooling and I thought, oh, okay, I have to do this level all this year. Well, what I discovered after being part of the Sunlight community a little bit longer is some people stretch out programs over a year and a half two years. Um, and so like what Sheila said about, you know, if you only make it to week 29 this year, that's totally fine. Stop right there and pick up where you left off. Uh, personally, I try not to cut out 
stuff, I would rather slow down and still get to it than, than cut things out. And so I'm intentionally this year stretching level D for my youngest over a year and a half. So don't feel like you, you shouldn't do that or that it's not going to work or your child's going to be behind. If you've done sunlight for any length of time, you know how rigorous it is. And I learn things at every single level. So your child will still be learning, but, but yeah, it doesn't really matter when in the year they're doing what, especially when you homeschool, unless you are trying to stay on your local school schedule for sports or some reason like that, it really doesn't matter. You can do your schoolwork on whatever pace you want. Uh, we do have a question from Megan. She's asking about tips for streamlining your schedule in your day. She said, I love sunlight, but I don't do well just going straight down the day and checking the box. Do you have any tips if I'm on different days or weeks in every subject and I find myself confused each day with where I should be? This can be discouraging. So what do you all think about that? Well, I think it is really common to be in different places on different things. And so yeah, I just want to say, first of all, that that's, um, you know, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But you're right. It, it can be kind of hard to deal with. And I have never gone just straight down, you know, the column. Um, uh, you can come up with a system that works for you. Uh, typically, people, I think, try to find out what subjects work best at what time, like math, uh, right after breakfast when you're fresh, and then read alouds after lunch when you're ready to kind of lay around a little bit. Uh, and so I would say look at those different uh, boxes and, and uh, group them together and figure out what part of the day they work best in. And then that will become part of your routine uh, that you do daily. So no matter what... Um, you know, IG page, you're on with different things. You'll be doing that subject around that particular time. And that can help you find a routine. Yeah, I think for me, I also never worked just ver vertically the whole time. I would often block ske schedule um, history and science, which means I would do Mondays and Tuesday history on Monday and I didn't do science. And then on Tuesday, I would do Monday and Tuesday science and I didn't do history. I just found it was a lot less um finding the book and finding the page and closing of things. And, you know, it was just a, a lot less um, messy. Um, but I, I, I did find that if I got too far off, if I had multiple weeks in my working binder, I did not do well with that. So if I found that I, I got myself, you know, I kind of painted myself into a cor corner, I would typically see where am I the most behind at and try and double up some of those assignments and skipping some of the things that we were ahead on. Typically, we would get ahead on read alouds because my kids love to be read to and they would want one more chapter, one more chapter, you know, and I would cave. And so um, and so we would get ahead in that and then we would fall behind on the subjects that I didn't like so much, which was science. I know, Anne, you love science, but, you know, <laughs> that was an area that I, I, I didn't love. So I would discipline myself to do the harder sub subjects that were hard for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I might get a little bit more caught, caught up. So instead of having a three week gap, I would only have a few days gap. Um, and so once I got a little bit more caught up, then I would go back to my re regularly scheduled um, schedule. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I agree with that. I know some people really like to move forward in certain subjects and they'll be on all different weeks. I'm a little too uptight for that. I prefer to stay on the same week for everything. So what I'll do if I find, okay, we've done all the history for this week or we've done all the read aloud for this week, then I'll move on to other subjects on my IG that I haven't checked off. So with my youngest, we only do probably three max of four subjects each day. He likes to work across as well. And so, you know, if we started reading history, we'll just keep going till we're done with the week. But then the next day when I come back, I'm going to say, okay, what did I not do? Oh, we didn't do any language arts yesterday. We need to start with that. Um, and so that's really what I do so that I don't end up maybe on week 20 in one subject, week 14 in another. Um, I think math, sometimes it's a little easier to push ahead because because a lot of times your kids can do their assignment independently. Just don't let them go so far that you're not grading stuff. I've had that happen too. So make sure <laughs> you're still checking in with the kids and grading things and making sure that they're understanding it. Because if they learn something wrong the first time, then you have to undo all of that. Um, but yeah, actually, go ahead. And actually with math, that's one of those things that it's okay if you need to slow down because it is a, um, a skill-based subject, you need to have this skill before you move on to this other skill, um, then it's okay to slow that down if they are str struggling with learning the mater material. So, mm -hmm. And I the same when they're learning to read, too. Doing a little bit of reading every day is oftentimes better than trying to have them read everything on Monday and then you go a whole week um, because kids that are still learning that stuff, it, it can be very challenging for them. And were you about to say something that I could? Oh, uh, yeah. Something that um, some people have done since we're talking about different ways to do your scheduling. Uh, there's something called what people call a loop schedule where you may have certain things you want to do every day. Let's say math needs to be done every day. And let's say you're me and you love science. So we're going to do science every day. Uh, but then all the other subjects, um, you just go through them. And wherever you stop, you just um, do the next day. So if you do math and science every day, and then you pick up your language arts and your history reading and uh, whatever else you may be doing, uh, and then it comes time to cook dinner or it comes time to go to the, the baseball practice and things like that, you just stop. And then the next day you do your math and science, which is every day. And then you just pick up where you left off in the other. And that works real well uh, for a lot of people that do have set times where we, you know, I know we haven't done everything today, but we have to stop. We've got T-ball, you know, and, and it really works well to do that because then you never completely skip anything. You just get to it the next day. So you don't get, you know, far behind in any one thing. Yeah, and that's a great point, too, that made me think, I know we tell people when they're starting out, like, be flexible, find the schedule that works for you. And that feels very overwhelming, I think, early on. So um, I know, Sheila, you've already graduated your kids at and you've graduated one of yours. But what would you... Can you kind of give us the breakdown of what your daily schedule looked like? What time of day you're doing school? How much is you teaching versus your children being independent? I would love to hear those ideas, and then I'll share mine which is gonna be mind blowing for a lot of you because I do not do the normal homeschool schedule. Um, but but let's talk about that because I would love for our people that are new and considering this to, to see how it's gonna work for them. So yeah, I do wanna point out that whatever your schedule is, it's going to change, uh, especially from year to year. And even from semester to semester, if your kids are in different sports or things, it's just going to change and you're just going to have to figure things out, uh, you know, every now and then, every few months, you kind of reevaluate. That is completely normal and it happens. But for us, 
uh, I've always done two levels of sunlight with my two kids. And so I just took turns with them. Um, I had a nice, uh, talk about being organized. Um, uh, I had uh, a, a system with these bins with little drawers you could pull out from Ikea and it was great. Um, so I would put all the books that they had to do for each day in the bins and their job, when it was their turn to work with me, they had to pick a table subject and a couch subject and do those two with me. And then they got a break and I got to go do, you know, something that did not involve me. And then it would be the other child's turn. And that just worked really well for us as a routine. Um, and so we typically did uh, all, we did not do a loop schedule. We did, we pretty much got everything done in that day. It was a real visual thing, having those bins. They saw, this is what I have to do before I can have my screen time or, or whatever, you know, whatever else, other things you might limit when school has not been done yet. And that worked real well for us, uh, taking turns and having them choose what they wanted to, to work with me. So if they didn't feel like doing such and such at that time, maybe it's too close to lunch, you know, and they can't be writing a story or something, you know, when they're hungry. So they would save that for afterwards. So giving them those choices really did uh, help give them some responsibility to get the things done. Um, but then sometimes you, know, you still have to have certain control. Like when math got picked last every day, and it dragged on and on and on and your day would never end then yeah that kind of thing has to stop and you've got to just insist okay math is first and uh, then go from there so yeah like ann was saying it's going to definitely change from year to year because as your kids get older they're going to become more independent and can do more of the work themselves um, but when they're really small, when I started, I had a kindergartner, a three-year-old and a ba baby. And then the next year I had a first grader, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And, you know, so as, as they got older, um, eventually they became more independent. But the first two, three, four years, it was pretty intense because they all need, needed mom. No one could read. They couldn't read their directions and work independently. And so, um, yeah, it's a juggle. <laughs> so we we would alternate what I did. Um, I did teach to the oldest. And so I picked one level of HBL and sci science and I taught those together. Um, and then each child had their own level of math, readers, language arts and handwriting. Um, and so when it was ta table time, we all did math at the same time, even though they had three different le level maths. So I would get one going and then explain, you know, here's what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And then and then move to the next child. You know, I, they would turn to the page that they were supposed to be on. Um, and I just bopped around the table, making sure that kids were on task and they didn't have any questions. They, you know, they were doing what they were supposed to do and just ho hovering um, while they did their work. So I found that if I stepped away for any reason at all, I would lo lose them. So it, you know, those early years are intense time because you need to be present. And then we would alternate table time with couch time. I would save um, read aloud for bedtime. So it didn't, it wasn't a part of our day. Sometimes dad would read the read aloud. Sometimes I would read the read aloud, but he would want to listen. Um, there were times where I'm just like, they're all yours, baby. And I am <laughs> taking a bath, you know? Um, so 
as they got older, then they my my day got longer in some ways because I had different types of kids. So Timothy, my middle child, would wake up at 6.30 in the morning, ready to do math, because he knew that as soon as he was done with school, he could go play. And my youngest one is a night owl. She is now a night nurse. Um, so it's, I mean, I saw this very early on in her, you know, in her personality, but she would sleep in till like 10 o'clock. And I was okay with that because I'm working with the other two. And then when she would get up, then I would give her my attention and then the boys would be wrapping up their stuff and I could work, work with her. And so, but that didn't happen for a while. So, you know, every year it was different. And as they became more and more independent, once they hit high school, they were almost completely on their own. And then I could really focus on the youngest one. Yeah. And so my situation in more than a decade of homeschooling, I have never ever homeschooled in the morning. So I know everybody has this idea that, oh, we need to get up early and we need to be done at lunchtime. Well, night owl here, that does not work well for my personality. I'm fortunate that my kids are also night owls. Um, so like Sheila mentioned her daughter sleeping in, my 13 year old would sleep till two in the afternoon if you let her. We do make her get up a little bit before that, but we have found that try as we may to homeschool in the morning, that just does not work for us. Um, I worked nights for many years and so I would come home and sleep and then we would do school later in the day. And as my kids have gotten older and they like to sleep in later, that gets pushed further and further. Also, because I work, we don't even start school till I'm done with my work day. Um, so don't feel like you have to, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to noon, those are my school hours because it really can be anything during the week. Our typical schedule is Monday through Thursday evening. I'm doing school with my kids no more than about two and a half to three hours per day. And whatever we don't get to during the week, we pick up on Saturday or Sunday afternoon. So that's how we do it. Um, like I said, no more than two and a half to three hours a day because I work all day. The kids do their independent work earlier in the day and then they have their free time in the afternoon once they're done um, because we do school up until they go to bed. So their free time is happening afternoon instead of at the end of our school day. So tr truly, when we say work it around your schedule, what you can do, do that. Sheila, I love how you mentioned, you know, you may have one child that wants to get up early, let them get their stuff done early. Um, but if you have later night owl kids, let them work at night. My daughter often goes to bed with one of her books and reads it before she falls asleep at night. So you can work with your kids and figure out what's going to work. But but yeah, definitely you have all the flexibility that way. Um, and I just by Sunday evening, I want to make sure we've done the whole week, be, you know, in the instructor's guide before we move on to the next week. But I don't care if it took us three days, if it took us six days, it really does not matter. So, you know, you as the person homeschooling gets to make that decision about what's going to work best for your house. Um, now let's talk about planning for next year. I know when you get about halfway through the year or when you see that Sunlight's about to announce their new products and things like that, you wanna start planning for your next year, but you still have a lot going on this year. So what would you say, you know, you can allow yourself to start planning and what are some things that maybe you need to wait till you're closer to being done with this year before you make that plan? 
Yeah, I, I do think this is a time that always you do think about uh, what is coming ahead. And Sunlight typically has a really big sale in March. I don't know officially if it's happening this year or not, but you can watch the website to see. Um, and that is a big sale before the new catalog comes out. So th this really is a time to start thinking. So uh, a good thing to do is look at your current catalog to see what level HBL you'd want to do next and uh, read about it. And then when the new catalog comes out and Sunlight will release that a digital copy um, you know, before the print one comes out. So be on the lookout for that. So you will be able to decide if you want to wait for the new, if there's any updates or take advantage of the sale. Um, so keep that in mind when you're thinking about planning um, ahead for next year. Yeah, I typically started to think about the next year um, around March because um, spring break was around then and the weather was getting nice and we were kind of ready to be done with the level we, we were on just because, you know, the new and the shine, shiny and the new books and things like that. Also, I know a lot of pe people will use their tax return to help pay for um, their next year's curriculum. And so that's around April. So around March, you start thinking about it. Um, typically you would just, you know, it's like, it's like a staircase. If you start with K, then you're going to do A and then you're going to do B and then you're going to do C. So that's your typical progression, but it, that may not work for you. It may be that this year you started with one child just to kind of see if you could homeschool, but now your other child wants to come home. That child sees, hey, it's pretty cool to not have to catch the bus at 6 a.m. and, you know, be at school until two and you can be in your pajamas and you can read great books. And so maybe um, you have another child who went to school this year and, and is so now you need to figure out, um, am I going to do two separate levels? Am I going to combine? Is there, you know, one or two or three sub subjects that we can do together? So it may be that you will go ahead or you will go back depending on um, what you're doing this coming year. So if you find yourself in that kind of situation where it's not just obvious, I'm just going to do the next le level, you know, B follows A, C follows B, that kind of thing, um, then we do have advisors who, who are happy to talk through your situation with you. And they will look at not just what's going to work for this year, because a lot of pe pe people get a little bit caught up with what am I going to do this year? But then they kind of paint themselves into a corner and they're like, oh, if I would have done this, the next year I would have done this and then this and then this. So the advisor has, takes a little bit of a long, longer view and can look ahead and say, OK, if you have a four year old and a six year old this year, you may not want to start with B because then, you know, your young, younger child will always be a little bit behind that age span. So what if you started with this and then the following year that'll lead you to this and the following year after that, it'll lead, lead you to that. So the advisors are a great resource for you to help you kind of map out a, um, a plan that will carry you past just this next year, keeping in mind with the caveat that you can always deviate from that plan. Just because they give you a plan doesn't mean that, that you're stuck with that plan. If you find that your child um, grows by leaps and bounds and needs to skip a level of re readers or, you know, maybe tests out of math or whatever, um, you, you can reevaluate the following year and see if that original plan is going to work or not. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for those earlier levels, like if your child has already been in school or you've been using another curriculum and you're not sure where to place them, we do have online assessments for reading and math, language arts, all of those things as well. So if you don't have a child who's done sunlight since forever and you're not quite sure where to place them, that's a great resource. And I love that you mentioned the advisors. For those of you who don't know, that is a free service. Go to sunlight.com slash advisors and you can reach out to them and they will help you customize a plan. Um, you brought up good points about if you have multiple children that you may want to combine down the line, um, or maybe if you have big age gaps, but you're trying to figure out what you can reuse for a younger student, they can help you figure out those things that you might not be thinking about right now. Another word of advice, again, from a mistake that I made in my early years is don't plan what your child's going to be doing their sophomore, junior, senior year of high school when they're in first grade, because that probably <laughs> will change. I know I used to get the sunlight catalog and I would be so excited and, ooh, we're going to do this this year and this this year. And I, you know, plotted out my plan. Um, but the further we go on, the more I realized, you know what, let's just plan one year ahead. Um, the only exception to that maybe with high school, if you're worried about credits but you know middle school upper elementary school you have a lot more flexibility there and you can change from that plan if you you know find that your child's either learning at a different rate or maybe you do have a younger student that you want to combine or I mean there's so many different things that can change that plan so don't don't lock yourself in too much and there are more sunlight levels than there are years of school. So you are going to have to skip some. Do not worry about that um, either. We do have a question from Megan asking about tips for building independence. She has an almost 11-year-old who really wants her to be with her while she's doing school, even if she doesn't need me. And then we have Lillian asking about language arts, if it's okay to do like a twice a week block schedule, like what we mentioned for history and science, or is there anything she could should consider differently there for language arts? So independence and language arts, what do you guys think? Okay. Independence, I know from personal experience, just depends so much on the individual child. My oldest um, became independent. I mean, I was with him for every subject no matter what before that 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 was just his personality he needed me there uh, until he got to the um high school levels and we actually took two years to do level 100 because it was such an adjustment for him to do all the reading himself uh and whereas my daughter uh totally different thing she became independent at a much younger age i mentioned the bin system where they got to to uh you know choose their books and things like that well when my daughter was ready, when I was working with my son, well, she just chose to do something out of her bins as she could because she could do it independently. And that started, uh, you know, I never thought to take notes about these things back when it was happening. I really can't tell you about what age she was. Um, but basically, I don't know, just from my experience, when they're ready, they're ready. And, it, it, and if they're like my oldest, it might not even be until they're in high school. Um, but, but now he's off in college and, and had a great first semester. So, so even if they are what you might call a little clingy, you know, um, that, that's really, you know, it, it's not going to, to ruin them if, if you're by them, you know, for much of the school day. It really, really won't. Um, I just think so much depends on their individual personalities. So, Anne, you didn't go to co college with your son and sit in class next to him? <laughs> I kind of wanted to, but no, I didn't. <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> it would be so fun to go back. 
I wonder if it's a birth order thing because my firstborn was the same way. Ma mommy, sit here. Like I had to be next to him. And my middle child was like, I'm just going to take my book and go over here and do my mm -hmm. own thing. And then my ba ba baby was like the firstborn, mommy, mommy, mommy. And so, you know, I don't know if that's just a birth <laughs> order thing, a personality thing. Um, but I think a lot of it comes with maturity. So mm -hmm. as they get more mature, you know, and they can be a certain age and still be immature. Um, boys can be more immature than girls, but not always. So part of it is just um, recognizing that this is your job. Like if you're a classroom teacher, it isn't like you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to go down to the uh, teacher's lounge while you guys are work working on your math. You know, I mean, you are expected to stay in class. So part of it is this is your job and it's okay if you need to stay by your chi child. Um, and if it's just a matter of like the ministry of pre presence, like you just need to be there, maybe there's something you, you can work on at the table with them. Maybe you need to write a le letter or you have some bookkeeping that you can work on or, you know, I don't know, that, that kind of thing. Like that you are also working alongside them. You are there, you're not in another room, you're not doing the la laundry, um, but you are working on something so that if they have a question, you can be there. But then slowly, slowly start to wean yourself away. So, you know, if you've explained the math lesson and they're working away and they don't need, need you, you can sneak out to use the bathroom. You know, that's always a good excuse. I'll be right back. I'm going to use the bathroom. Even if you don't really have to go, you just go. Um, and that way they are used to you, you know, slowly, slowly, at, a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. you remove yourself from their physical presence. Um, and if you can um, show them, I'm going to go throw in a load of la laundry if you don't let me, I mean, you're not saying this, but if you don't let me, then you're going to do it after school. So, you know, either I can do this now or you can do it after you're done with your schoolwork. So, so just a little bit at a time as you, um, as they become more mature and they don't need, you know, your actual help, they just want you there. Um, so it's just, it's just part of, mentoring them you know like encouraging them you can do this you're you're doing fine i'll be right back i'm not going anywhere i just have to go to the bathroom i'm just going to step into the laundry room i'll be right back Mm -hmm. That that um that brings back all the memories, Sheila, because our thing um with all just especially with math, I just always had to be there with math. Um, is in the, in the kitchen, and so what I would do, I would say I, I have I'm going to unload the dishwasher now. It's in the same room, right? And so that was my thing. Um, unloading the dishwasher while he was in there doing his math. So I was accomplishing something. He was accomplishing something, and we were you know, I was present. Um, one thing I was able to, um, slowly, um, develop a little bit of independence, um, with him. Um, you know, sunlight is not very test heavy, which I absolutely love, but yeah, it's kind of a whole different topic, but you know, in math, there are tests. And so when we, uh, I understood, I, excuse me, I explained, so he would understand the point of this, this page is so that I can know what you can do by yourself. So when we hit this part, you know, you, 
this is completely by yourself. Um, and so he did gradually get used to that idea. Um, and it ended up, um, well, like I said, he's in college now. He's doing just fine. Um, so <laughs> you do just have to trust the process sometimes. Uh, but using uh, subjects that have tests can help you kind of um, uh, get some of that independence going a little bit. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. A lot of it's personality, birth order, gender. It's a training process. I had the opposite that you guys had. My oldest was the, I can do it. You know, as soon as she could read, she's like, but she's a girl. Yes, <laughs> and that might be it. Yeah, she was like, I don't even want you reading aloud to me. I want to do this myself, you know. And so it is funny, though, because I did. I said, okay, if you want to read some of your read alouds, once she was a fluent reader, I did let her do that. But she came around by level H and was like, oh, I miss you reading to me. So we went back to me getting to read aloud to her. Um, but then my son, my baby, he's five years younger. He is a total mama's boy at this point. And he wants to sit by me. And when he's doing math, he'll be like, is six times seven forty two? And he just wants to hear that confirmation mm -hmm. that I have the right answer. He's a little more uh, detail oriented that way. And, and he struggles to keep going unless he knows he made the right answer there. Um, so I have a nice big desk in here. And if I'm not doing something where he can't be in the room, I do let him sit next to me uh, while I work. Or like you ladies said, get up and unload the dishwasher while your child's maybe at the dining room table, go to the bathroom, you know, start small with those little things. Okay. And then eventually you can work up to, okay, I'm going to go make lunch now, read your book, and then we'll talk about it when you're done. Like talking about their readers at this point. Um, yeah, and just gradually hand off one subject at a time. I would never say, okay, you're on your own and then hand them everything, but one subject at a time, right? The handwriting page, a math lesson, you know, little things like that until they get to a point where they can do everything on their own. Uh, we have a question from Shermine saying she's currently pregnant and plans to homeschool in the future. How do you prepare for this? We also have a family who got COVID and got majorly derailed. So what about these, these things that could happen in the future or maybe some unusual situation that you you don't know what to plan for or you don't anticipate happening? How do you kind of plan around that or how should you look at your current situation and what's going on? So this could be like a death in the family, an illness, you know, three or four years from now. How do you, you plan for those things? Okay, well, first I'm going to go back to the language arts question because we oh, yeah, heard about language arts. Thank you for that. <laughs> So I'll answer that question first. Yes. Um, so language arts is another one of those skill-based su subjects that really needs to be done incrementally. There are some things you, you can combine. For example, day one is typically either a copy work or a dictation, depending on the age. So you do that on day, day one. And if your child is not exhausted by then some some kids just you know that's very tiring um, if they're not worn out and you can keep going or you take a break and you want to come back to it you could do the day two which is the mechanics practice um, so you could double those up on you know the day one and day two in one day especially if you separate it with a break like maybe you do science in between because it's not as um, intense um, day two, which is the mechanics practice, and day three, which is the uh, pre-writing activity, can also perhaps be done together. 
but I discourage you from doing day three and day four together. Day three is the pre-writing activity and day four is the writing activity. And you need a break between the brainstorming part and the writing part. Like writers need to have some distance between the first piece of the writing and the last piece of the writing. So that would be uh, day three and four, I would discourage from doing together on the same day. That's just me. I know even when I write an email, I will write it and I will go back and reread it and make sure, and I'll read it out loud and make sure it makes sense. And I didn't misspell anything and autocorrect wrote the wrong thing. And um, you know, it's, I was an English major, so I get a little bit picky with my grammar and those kinds of things, but you know, um, but, uh, but those are skill-based su subjects. And just like we would not recommend cramming five lessons of math in one day and calling it good for the week, I wouldn't do that with lang language arts either. Mm -hmm. So that's my lang lang language arts comment. <laughs> and do you want to add to but that? At all? I don't have anything to add. I was going to, to say I had the same thing in my notes to, to say that um, uh, the things that are e more easy to do the block scheduling with are the things like history and science where you're just reading, you're reading aloud uh, and things like that. Um, but, but like you said, you could do certain aspects of language arts, you know, um, like you said. Uh, and of course, the other aspect of the language arts is the readers that are scheduled. And so that absolutely has to be every day because they need to be reading a little bit um, every day. So, yeah, I concur. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that, too. We always do a little reading every day. Uh, we do usually double up on like dictation and mechanics practice because those are usually short sometimes uh, my youngest he really enjoys the creative writing more than like research paper writing so sometimes we'll do the brainstorm and he wants to dive right in but we do come back the next day and then we revise whatever it was that he wanted to dive into mm -hmm. also i should note for language arts i'm still scribing for him he's eight years old and his thoughts are far beyond what he can actually mm -hmm. write um so don't feel like that's a problem or your child's behind if, if they're struggling to physically write what they're trying to articulate, you can absolutely scribe for them to make that easier and just let them talk to you and tell you what their story is while you write it down. So mm -hmm. that's another option for language arts as well. Sorry, I almost forgot that one. Sheila, thank you for keeping that's me okay, on. But now I don't remember the question that you asked. <laughs> we have someone who's pregnant and planning to homeschool in the future. So she's at least a few years out. We also have a family that was derailed when they all got COVID last month. And so they just have not been able to get back on track. So I kind of wanted to center this question around like, what about when the unexpected happens or you're planning far enough out that the unexpected might happen? Um, if you have like a death in the family and you're dealing with grieving, you know, how do you let all of these external things impact your school and, and what do you do to stay on track during those times or those situations? So I think for the person who is pre pregnant, I am very proud of you. You are doing your research very early on. And actually, it's going to go by quickly because you can start homeschooling at preschool. Like, you know, you don't have to start at kindergarten. So that's really only a few year, years away. So I would say do, um, you know, familiarize yourself as much as possible with the various types of learning styles. Obviously, we are biased towards a literature-based curriculum because that's what we used and we love books and, and all that. So 
So we do have a little bit of a bias. Uh, <laughs> so there are other ways to teach. The traditional approach would be a textbook curriculum, which you are probably familiar with. I'm guessing that's that may be what you had um, done in school. So that's one option. Um, there are several, well, there are a lot of other ones. So familiarize yourself with the various educational philosophies and the curricula that will correspond with those and then and then research the ones that um that really speak to you so if you don't want to do school at home then you may want to steer away from a traditional uh textbook approach um like i said we're biased towards a literature-based curriculum so if you are if you are here because you are think thinking wow this would be so cool i get to just read books with my kids and talk talk about them Awesome. In that case, we have lots and lots of resources for you on our YouTube cha channel. We record these videos every month and we have lives that we do, the mentors do in the apps, uh, in the app. And so there is a lot of resources. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there for you. If you just wanted to put on a video while you're cooking di dinner and just start to absorb the information. Um, and then uh, preschool with sunlight starts around age three. So up until that time, I would just encourage you to read aloud to your child. You know, I read to my kids when they were in utero. Like that's just how passionate I was about reading aloud to my kids. So um, that that would be my re recommendation for the 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 gal who is uh, pre pregnant and is thinking about you may want to homeschool. Yeah. I'll jump into um, the other side of the question about when things unexpected come up, you get sick or you're dealing with, with you know, any sort of um, unexpected thing that happens in your family because it is bound to happen. You know, uh, it happened to me. My kids were in seventh and ninth grade when I had to deal with the death in the family. And um, so it, it does. It puts you all off track on your on your schedule uh, completely. Uh, but that's totally OK. Uh, honestly, the only time that really keeping on some sort of schedule really matters is if your child is a senior in high school and you've got to get these college deadlines. Okay. I mean, that's really it. If they're younger than that, you can completely take however much time you need to get over it. I know COVID knocks you down so hard. Take the time you need. School will always be there. So rest, uh, spend time together. Uh, you know, don't stress about it whatsoever. You, you just take the time you need. Um, if you, if something like what happened to me, I was gone for a weekend after weekend after weekend, you're helping my dad move after my mom passed away. And, um, so someone else is taking care of your kids. Um, and so that happens sometimes too. If you still want to keep some sort of school routine in the midst of something like that, you've got your IG. It's open and go. You've checked off what you've done. Your your spouse, uh, another family member, a friend can just jump in and continue the read alouds or continue whatever just to keep some semblance of a routine if you'd like to. Um, so yeah, I know we're about to end our webinar. So uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Take the time you need and rely on other people in those situations. I can't tell you how many people came alongside of us during those difficult times uh, to help us um, get through all that. Rely on your community. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the gift of not sending your child to school. Your your child will not fall, fall behind because you can just pause school and pick it up when you're ready. You know, if a month goes by because the the pukey mm -hmm. thing went through your whole fam family mm -hmm. three times like your child isn't behind because they're not in school so it's mm -hmm. okay it's okay 
Yeah, absolutely. Take the breaks when you need it. Cut yourself some slack. Like you guys said, you can always pick up when you're done. If you have questions specifically about high school, we recently did a homeschool helps and hacks on high school. So you can find that on YouTube or in the app, which will help you out um, with anything like that that you're looking at. We are running low on time. So if we did not get to your question, please, you know, drop that in the comments or when we share the repost of this video, put it in the comments. We would love to answer those. Um, I do have some announcements. And um, before we go, though, of all the things that are coming up here at Sunlight, we have a lot. So Sheila and Anne, thank you for speaking today. And Lisa and Jenna for covering the chat for us. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.